Isaiah chapter 6, starting with verse 1. And I'm just going to get into it and, and won't give much of an intro and, and go from there. It says, in the year, I'll tell you what, actually, before I get into it, um, you need to, to talk with Jairus. <laughs> We're going to be doing a... Um, In October, our October the 31st. Trunk or treat? We're going to do a trunk or treat right out here, folks. So she's going to have the details. So I don't have the details, obviously. <laughs> anyway, talk to Pastor Jairus. But we're going to do it, and it would be a great way to reach out to our community. And, um, you know, we launched on Friday the 13th. We might as well do something for Jesus on, on, on October 31st as well. Amen. That's a Tuesday night, and so uh, so we'll, we'll get more details. But all right, let's get in here. Isaiah 6, verse 1. It says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Then I heard the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. Jesus, I pray that tonight that you continue to move, that you continue to speak to our hearts. And I pray, God, that this message, that we leave encouraged. And I pray, God, that, that as we begin to look upward, that we're able to begin to minister outward. Yes. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Isaiah was in need of a divine encounter. Isaiah was in the need of, of a divine encounter with the Lord. Which is interesting to me because he was the prophet of the Lord. He was the man of God. He was serving actually in the official courts during the time of, of this reading, of this passage. And he had actually... Uh, he was serving king, serving in King Uzziah's court, and Uzziah was king for 52 years in Judah, and at the time of this reading, he had just passed away. So here it is, the king has served for 52 years, and he passed away, and, it was, and, and, and Isaiah is serving in the king's court during this time of, of uncertainty. And, and, and after his death, it was, of course it was uncertainty, I just said that. It was also a time of financial crisis. It was going on. It was a time of instability. It, it was a time of political turmoil. And if I'm totally honest and transparent, 
It sounds a lot like today. Sounds a whole lot like today. Uncertainty, financial crisis, instability, political turmoil. I mean, just like today's news headlines. Today's news headlines. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, rumors of war with North Korea, right? Now, I'm not going to be all political. I'm just kind of setting the stage here. There are hurricanes, right? We have the recovery in Texas right now with Harvey. And, and uh, let's be for real, man. I mean, it's a, it's a mess there. And, and we have some very close personal friends that have lost everything. Lost everything. And some friends have lost a whole lot. Now, then we have the one that's there in the Gulf of Mexico right now that's in the process or getting ready to hit Mexico around Tampico. And then we have uh, Irma that's on her way that has went through the Caribbean and then that's about ready to hit Florida. So we have rumors of war with North Korea. We have these hurricanes that are hitting. And then today in Mexico on the Guatemala border, there was an 8.2 on the Richter scale earthquake. Then, I, I promise this will eventually get encouraging. Then, <laughs> like I'm reading the news. Then, then, there's a financial crisis, or, or I wouldn't say it's necessarily a crisis yet, but Equifax had a, had a breach today. If you haven't seen that, you probably should check that out to find out if you're at risk. But they, uh, what was it, like 143 million personal, 143 million people's personal information was breached or has the potential to be breached. Your social security numbers are everything. There's abundant racism in our country. And that's straight from the pits of hell, man. There are arguments, and again, now I'm not taking a side left or right. I just, I just wherever Jesus is, that's where I'm going to stand, okay? <laughs> there, there's abundant racism. Now, well, I say I will take a side on racism. I'm just against it, okay? Has no place. Let's just say that. There are arguments about immigration right now. And then, truthfully, political leaders, left, right, center, doesn't really matter. They are making a mockery of their positions. And so you have all this stuff going on, okay? You have all this stuff going on, and, and you read it, and it's like, man. If I read this stuff, I mean, it's really easy to get down. It's really easy to get discouraged. It's really easy to think, what in the world is going on? It's really easy to think, is the Lord in control, right? Because that's what's going on in Isaiah 6. The king just passed away. All this stuff's going on. And everyone's wondering, what's going to happen next? So we read this passage from Isaiah 6. And we read this, and, and, and I really believe it gives a model for what we need to be doing as a people. Amen. The very first thing is that Isaiah began to look up. See, when all this stuff goes on, it's, in my opinion, it's really easy to begin to look around. Like, like let, let me look and see what this news channel is saying. Let me read what this news channel is saying. Let me, let me do it this side or the other. And, and, and before you know it, we're speaking doom and gloom because all we're doing is looking around here rather than looking up there. Come on. Amen. 
I lift my eyes up into the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Right? I lift my eyes up. I fix my gaze up, right? And so Isaiah looked up and said, In the year of King Uzziah's death, verse 1, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. Lofty and exalted. I have to actually read this. I want to quote the NIV, but I'm reading from the NASB. Lofty and exalted with the train of his robe filling the temple. By the way, this passage is why I read from the translation I read from. Uh, because of the verb tenses. So Isaiah looked up. He knew that he had no other choice. <laughs> he, had, he knew he had nowhere else to turn to. He knew that he had to fix his gaze upon the one whose eyes are burning like fire. Amen. Right? Amen. And I just mentioned the new stuff, but let me tell you this, man. Please do not let, and I'm, I'm going to hit them all, that way you just know I'm being fair. Do not let Fox News be the only thing that speaks Amen. into your That's life. Right. Amen. Do not let CNN be the only thing that speaks into your life. Amen. Do not let MSNBC, CNN, or whatever else is out there, do not let those be the only thing that speaks into your life. Now, we, 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 if, if you want to be legitimate, some people, that's the only thing that speaks prophetically into people's lives is these news channels. Or don't let Facebook, for that matter, speak into your life. We need to fix our eyes upon him. We need to turn our ears to heaven and begin to hear from the Lord. See, King Mosiah had died, but the Lord, he hadn't died. He was still sitting on the throne. Amen. The throne of Judah was vacant, but the throne of heaven was, the throne of heaven was occupied. He is, he, he is, and not only was it occupied then, it's occupied right now. Amen. All right? Yeah. It says that he was seated on the throne. Do you want to know what the word seated means? Even if you don't, I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> the word seated means inhabited. It means dwell. It means to remain. It, it means to abide. So the Lord is inhabiting the throne. Yes. The Lord is dwelling in the throne. Amen. The Lord is going to remain in the throne. He's going to abide in the throne. He's not going to fall off. He's not going to get knocked over. He's not there biting his nails. What's going to happen next, Amen. right? He's not losing sleep at night. He's, he's, he's seated. He is seated. Amen. He is seated. That was really weird too, wasn't it? Okay to laugh. <laughs> he was seated. The word seated also has other implications. The word seated, a loose reading of it would be that I don't know how to explain it. I, I'm in control. I've got this. Think of it like this. He's seated lofty and exalted, but he's not seated like this. Okay? He's seated like this. And he's actually got the enemy as his footstool right there. Yeah. <laughs> Could you move a couple inches to the right, Satan, right? And he's just sitting there. He's in control as he's seated. And so, yeah. so he's seated, so he's in control. And at one point in time, and we know this, but 2,000 years, Jesus got up from being seated next to him 
got up from there and came to earth, took on the form of a servant, and he became obedient unto his death as he suffered on the cross. And then he rose from the grave, then he walked the earth, and then he ascended into heaven. And then what did he do when he ascended into heaven? Well, one thing it says that he did, the Bible tells us, is that he paraded the enemy all around making a spectacle of him. But he also sat down at the right hand of the Father and he's ever making intercession on our behalf right Amen. now. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so he's seated. It's just absolutely amazing to me. This isn't, this isn't someone that's worried about what's going to happen. This is someone that's in full control. That's right. Well, why is all hell breaking loose? Well, simplistically, we live in a fallen world. Yeah. And we've been called to redeem the land. Amen. Let's look at some other things here. Uh, it says, he was seated in the train of his robe. NIV says in the train of his robe filled the temple. This is the reason why I switched. But the train of his robe, this translation says the train, and it's probably a better translation, says the train of his robe was filling the temple. One says the train of his robe filled the temple. The other one says the train of his robe was filling the temple. All right. So the king, during this point in time, when they would fight a battle, if they would defeat another king, they would take a piece of the other king's robe and attach it to the bottom of their robe. And so the more victories they had, the longer and more ornate their robe had become. All right, so be thinking along these terms. It was a testament to the king's glory. And so Isaiah, he, he's in this time of turmoil, and he begins to look up. And as he looks up, he sees the king that's seated, but he also sees the king that's the victorious one. Amen. The one whose robe was filling the temple. Not past tense, but a continual filling. He's, he's looking at the victorious one. This is absolutely mind-bogglingly amazing to me. <laughs> he, he, he's, he's looking at this one whose robe was filling the temple. And, and the way you could really read it is this. He was looking at the one whose robe was filling the temple, was filling the temple, was filling the temple, was filling the temple, was filling the temple. Or you could say he was looking at the one who was winning a battle, 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 who was winning a battle. Or you could look at it, the one that was going from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. Okay, so he's looking at this one and it's a continual filling. Now I love this because we know that this is Old Covenant. He's getting the vision of the throne room. He's seeing the temple, seeing the train of his robe filling the temple. And you understand that new covenant, we're of temples of the living God. Amen. Yes. Right? That's like right. he lives inside of us. It makes no sense except for it makes perfect sense, man. So he's living inside of us. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I believe this. That as we see all this stuff going on, that as we begin to fix our gaze upon him, and really if nothing was going on, we should still be fixing our gaze upon right. him. Amen. 
And if he lives inside and I'm at his temple, and if the train of his robe continues to fill and continues to fill and continues to fill, then my heart should be a place of continual victory for the Lord. state in your heart. The Lord wants the whole thing. And so sometimes we surrender just enough to get saved. But what if the Lord wants us to surrender to where he has everything? Like I want his robe to just continue to fill me. When I, we talk about walking in victory. Well, part of walking in victory is allowing him to have victory after victory after victory in your heart That's in right. the places we haven't allowed him to conquer yet. Amen. That's really good. <laughs> it, that is. That's really good. And it's not me that's really, it's, that's, that's just a really good. called out to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And the whole earth is full of His glory. The whole earth is full of His glory. (laughs) And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at His voice of Him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. The word glory is composed. It's, it's, it's Hebrew for that's just weighty presence for glory for the weighty presence of God it also means abundance which is amazing when we think of John 10, 10 the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I have come and they, they may have life and have it abundant he, he's, he's, he's the whole earth is filled with his glory as he's looking up it's filled with this weighty manifest presence of God. It's filled with this abundant presence of God. It's so inadequate to even describe it like this. And and it says that the whole earth was filled with this as he began to to gaze up. What would it look like if a company of believers in Louisville, Kentucky began to look up and say you are holy, holy, holy and the whole earth begins to get filled with this glory. What would it begin to look like if it's a a, a group of ragtag type of believers on a Friday night begin to get hungry and say, God, I don't understand what's going on right now, but I'm going to fix my eyes upon you and I'm going to call upon you because you are holy and you are good and you are winning victory after victory after victory after victory. I'm not going to walk around living in a fetus. Let me tell you what, when you fix your eyes on the throne, it's hard to live a defeated life. Yeah, we may be going through hell. Life may stink, but it doesn't mean that it's awful, right? It may, he's still there right. seated. Come on. Yeah. It's good. Then, once you understand this, then he began to look inward. 
Because when you gaze upon him, you need to begin to look inward. Verse 5, he says, Then I said, Woe is me, I am ruined, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and, and the people I live amongst are all of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the Lord Almighty, or the Lord of hosts. You know why one of the biggest reasons people don't encounter the Lord in, in like this type of setting? When, when, when this person has hot tears streaming down their face, it's not about the hot tears, but, but it's, it's about experiencing the presence of God. You know why? I, I really believe this. You know why some experience it and then others don't? Well, there's lots of reasons I could list. I think the number one reason is, is that we think we're okay. And we think the person next to us isn't. I'm serious, and, and I, I tell you this out of almost comic relief, and, and Dr. Powell's here, and, and, and we had some other preachers here, I, I promise this, I, I, I cannot count how many times I've told this, like I've, I've went and I've preached at places, and I've had people come up, and they say, that was a great message, I wish so-and-so would have been here to hear that. <laughs> I understand what they're saying. Can, can I say this? Like, like I want to, I want to be like. If you think it was for so and so, it was especially for you. Amen. <laughs> That's what I want to say. See, the the, the 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 thing is, is that we we do we we think stuff like this. People think stuff like this, or they think this. They think, well, I've heard that before. I've heard that passage taught from before. It's just coming out a little bit different because it's a different personality or this or that, you know, or or, or he talks something on like this. And like the Crestwood people, you guys are used to me. I, I use the same passages a lot. I used to get really stressed out and think I've got to come up with something like brand new that you guys have never heard before. I'm serious. Like I used to get really stressed. I think I got to just preach something that they think, whoa, that's some amazing new thing. One, Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. That's right. <laughs> and two, I struggle with the idea of trying to come up with something new when we need to begin to live out the things we've already heard. Yes. Yeah. Amen. 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 That's right. I'm not saying that's us. I'm saying that's one of the biggest reasons why people don't experience the Lord. Because we think it's for someone else. When we have a divine encounter with God, <laughs> when we begin to look upward and just catch a glimpse of His presence, this is wild too, by the way, because Isaiah saw much more than Moses saw. You know, Moses said, let me just see you, right? To, and, and, and so the Lord said, you can just look at me when I pass by and, and the way it breathes. You can look at me. You can just see my backside. You can just see my back parts. That's what he said. And, and Isaiah gets this vision of front God. But when we begin to look up, 
and we really look up, the Lord begins to speak to us. Yes. And, and as the Lord begins to speak to us, we begin to experience conviction. Conviction's not a bad thing. That's right. It's a gift from God. Because conviction is an invitation to something more. It's an opportunity to say, this part of you isn't necessary to go to where you need to go. This, this thing that you're carrying isn't necessary to go through this path or this journey. Some of us are holding on to things and the Lord has spoken and said, well, you just let go and you're like, I can't let go of this. And until we begin to let go of whatever that is, we can't move forward. That's right. That's right. It's like, yeah, pay your admission. Poof, there it is. And I don't know what that is, but I just, I think you probably know, if that's you, you probably know what I'm talking about. It says, then one of the seraphim flew to him with a burning coal in his hand which he had taken from the altar with tongs. And he touched it, touched his mouth, and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. And your iniquity, iniquity is taken away, and your sins are forgiven. I, uh, like, this, this part right here, this, these, these verses right here, verses 6 and 7, they really messed with me about two weeks ago. I, I really will. And there's some things in my life. Someone had, I'll be honest, someone had hurt my feelings. And I have almost prided myself on not allowing people to hurt my feelings. And someone said something that hurt my feelings. <laughs> so I went to the Lord. And I was like, tell it on them to the Lord. <laughs> the Lord's like, why are you letting that bother you? And then he quickened this to me because I've been in there. And he said, why don't you continue to gaze at me, Michael? Why don't you continue to gaze at me until the seraphim comes? <laughs> or until my presence comes? Amen. It begins to burn that hurt away from you or the ability to get hurt away from you. Wow. If you got fouling, why don't we... Why don't we get okay with getting into the presence of God Amen. and staying there until he comes with some hot coals and he begins to burn away the things that need burnt away until he begins to sanctify us and fill us with yes. his Holy Spirit so yeah. that we can walk blameless before yes. him. That's not to make you feel bad. It's a liberating thing, yes. folks. Yes. Thank you. And then, let's move forward here. So you look up. People's heard me say this before, but you look up, and as I look up, I then have the ability to look in. And by the way, if you don't first look up and you start with looking in first, you're going to be a miserable human being. That's right. <laughs> you really are, because there's no hope. Come on. So you look up which gives you the ability to look in because it's really not even you looking in, it's search me, O oh God. And as he begins to deal with the stuff that's within, then we're able to look out. That's right. Yeah. Come on. Then we're able to look out. Do you understand? Like, then we're able to look out. 
then I'm able to effectively love other people. Listen to this verse. Verse 8 says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am. Send me. Phineas Brzee, the church of Nazarene's founder, said this. He said, As a man gazes up to the throne before which the Lamb is slain, as a man gazes up to the throne before which the Lamb is slain, he will see human needs, sorrows, and woes as never before. So in other words, he's saying that as I begin to look up and I gaze upon the Lamb that's on the throne that's been slain before the foundations of the world, or before the foundation of the earth, as I begin to gaze upon there, I then have the ability to look out amongst my neighbor. And as I look at my neighbor and I see someone that's hurting, or I see someone that's in need, or 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 15 years ago I would have seen her, the hurricane would have came and, and I wouldn't have batted an eye. I've been like, I live in Ohio, it's dry here. But now I look at it and I see it on the news and I just weep and I cry because people are losing everything. Or you, or as you walk downtown and you see a homeless person, you don't think, uh, what did they do to get themselves in that situation? You Come begin on. to think, what if? Yeah. What if I began to meet a need in their life and they got out of that situation? Yeah. Or what if instead of seeing someone that's stumbling around the street drunk or stoned and we think, I wish that it's just so awful the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Instead of thinking stuff like that, we think, oh man, listen, if you just knew how much Jesus loved you, you wouldn't be wanting to do that anyway or whatever it is. I'm telling you, we would begin to be empowered to do outreach and ministry. And, and I think this, I told our people this Sunday morning, I believe this wholeheartedly. And this is something the Lord's really been convicted me on. Like We need to do a lot more here, but we need to do a lot more in our individual lives as well. Like, I think, I think this, I think that, that if I can use a term, if, if I'm going to be living on mission or whatever, I think it comes from my everyday life. Yeah. It's with all of my friends and family that's around me. Yeah. And we were going to do some things. I told her people the other day that Everything runs together. It was probably two Fridays ago. But if we see the sweet little old lady down the street's husband just passed away, let's get together and let's go buy her some groceries. Amen. Let's get together. And it doesn't need to come from the top, is what I'm trying to say. Like, there will be some stuff coming from the top. But if we see a need, let's just begin to call some of our family, our church Amen. family, and say, let's go take care of this. Because yes. then it's not a program. And it's a lifestyle. Amen. We find a, there's a single mom down the road that has three kids and her husband's a deadbeat or, or she probably didn't even have a husband and her kids are all from different daddies to begin with. Instead of condemning her, why don't we go take her some school supplies? Amen. Because we see that there's a need. And again, it doesn't have to come from the top down. It just comes as a general outward expression of Christ in me, the hope of glory. Amen.
But I can't effectively do that until I look up. And then after I look up, I begin to look in, and he begins to cleanse me. Because this is what happens. If we don't look up, and we don't look in, but we see a need, and we go to meet it, you know what it is? We end up treating people like projects. People aren't projects. People are people. People are image bearers of God. That's when I don't want to be treated like a project. I was. I was a mess. I still am most of the time. But I was a mess. But I got loved into the kingdom of God. That's right. And I'm not going to beat them over the head with my Bible. I'm not going to try and scare the hell out of them. I'm going to love the hell out of them. Amen. And then when they come into the kingdom, then we're going to start walking with them. And then, if I've, if I've looked up, and I've looked in, right, and I've looked out, I can confidently tell someone something like Paul says, that which, which we accuse people of arrogance when they say stuff like this. But Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. What if I've gazed upon his face so much, and he's beginning to burn everything away and I can tell someone look I don't have it all figured out and sometimes I mess up sometimes I do some boneheaded things but follow me as I follow after you Amen. we've got to get this in this right folks because this is too important to mess up this is too important to mess up It's about people coming to the kingdom of God. Yes. Amen. It's about us taking care of the person in the orphans. It's about us meeting people's needs. You've probably heard me say this before too, but we all love when prayers get answered. And 99% of the prayers that I've had answered in my life have came through God working through another individual. That's right. Yep. So if I'm okay with God using another individual to meet one of my prayer needs, why are we not okay for the Lord to use us to be the answer of someone else's prayer? Amen. And it may not even be a prayer, because if they don't know Jesus, they just may, they just go, I don't know what to do. I'm in over my head, and I can't take care of whatever this is. You understand that that's probably a prayer that you just don't know the praying. And we go and meet that. Why'd you do that? It makes no sense. I'll tell you why. There's a man named Jesus. And he really loves me. He really loves you as well. He took care of me. And I believe that I'm his hands and feet. And I know you don't understand that. But he took so good care of me. And he used someone else to help me. And so now I'm going to help you. That's it. No strings attached. He's wild about you. Yes. He actually, he paid a really high price for you. Well, how high of a price? Well, he actually, he gave his life for you. There isn't a higher price. He, he, he gave his life for you. Amen. Amen. He 
because he thought you were worth it. Because when he looked at you, he didn't see all the sin and he didn't see all the stuff that's going on in your life. He saw potential and he saw destiny that's in right. your life. Amen. Amen. Sin begins to change things. say this and then I'm going to pray. We're going to pray. I still want you to hear. I left my notes a long time ago. <laughs> if I were to ask you, some of you say this too, if I were to ask you what's the most important ministry any of you will ever have? Some will say, well, I run a Sunday school class or I ran this, or I ran that, or I ran the other. You know what the most important ministry any of you will ever have? It's the person sitting across from you. It's the person who's standing across from you in the checkout line. That's the most, it, it's whoever's in front of you. That's the most important task you'll ever have. That's the most important person in your life at that moment. sorts of needs. If we can get filled with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, I'm just going to say this, and if it steps on your toes, I, I'm sorry. But if all we do is say, well, I, I go to church and I worship and I praise, and we never talk about the goodness of God or or demonstrate the goodness of God, I, I, I have a hard time believing we're filled with the Spirit. Yeah. And you may not go do some crazy hour. You may not be able to... You can show the love of God to your neighbor. And I don't think it needs to be a great big outlandish... I mean, look, I mean, we're, in a, we're in a dilapidated shopping center. We don't have all sorts of money to go do these great big programs. But we have the people to go and love on the people next to us that we come in contact with every single day. So I just want to ask you, are we willing to begin to look up and in so that we can effectively look out? That's it. So promise, as we begin to look up, as Brzee said, you'll begin to see human needs like never before. You will. 
like never before. Stuff that you used to have a blind eye to will begin to mess you up and you'll begin to weep. I, uh, I prayed with a man the other day on my front lawn. And he was dirty. I mean, like, like, hold your breath, dirty almost. Do you understand what I'm saying? Next door to me, next door to me, there's some people. I forgot to speak in court. So. But you just turn that off. But I began to talk to this man. 